Tonight's scripture reading is from Acts 2, 42 through 47. Acts 2, 42 through 47. And, the devoted them, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together in all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. You may be seated. Before our first speaker gets up tonight, I wanted to give you just kind of an idea of what we're doing. Tim preached on five areas that had great impact of growth in the early church this morning. We thought a good way to follow up with that would be tonight to have people share personal stories of how these areas have impacted them. And so we will have Jordan Palmer speaking about evangelism, the role that that's played in his personal growth. Uh, Wayne Miser is going to speak about fellowship. Richard Dodge is going to talk about service through teaching God's word. Bill Crane will talk about discipleship, the idea of edifying and encouraging new Christians and members. And then Matt Greenroyd will finish off with talking about worship and the role that that has played in his spiritual growth. So, Jordan? Yeah, as uh, Ty said tonight, I'm going to be starting out talking about evangelism. And I'd like to start that by, first of all, describing to you what my favorite gospel uh, account is, and that's the gospel account of John. And the reason I like John is because it really gets into the heart and mind of why people believe. And if you will, you could almost imagine it like a courtroom scene where you have Jesus on trial before a jury, and witness after witness are coming in and giving their testimony as to what they saw Jesus do and, and how they experienced Jesus in some way. And then at the very end in chapters 14 and 15, you have Jesus that gives his own personal testimony. And it's really left up to you as the reader, as the jury, to give the final verdict as to whether or not Jesus is who he says he really is. And when I was thinking about uh, this last year, in the last couple months, uh, there was a really cool experience we had that I wanted to share about that kind of reminded me of the same type of experience that you often see in John. Uh, as many of you know, uh, this last year we started the Info Cafe. Um, so Sunday mornings, there's a group of us that meet at the uh, entryway of the church building, and any visitor can come in and give a little bit of detail about, you know, why are they visiting, um, you know, they can get information about the church, our particular congregation, or maybe they have just some personal thing that they want to talk about that's really on their hearts. We had one couple come in, uh, Dylan and Marissa Proctor, and they had some very specific things that they wanted to talk about. Uh, they came in and, and they wanted to discuss with us. We sat down for an hour and, and got to know them, their personal life, and then that led to a Bible study. And so for several weeks, they met with Tim and they had a really good Bible study with them. And I kind of, for this next part, I wasn't really sure how to express it. So I just want to talk about something that I witnessed 
uh, one day with this couple. Um, I'm standing in Tim's office, okay, and I've got my wife next to me. I have all of my children there, and they're looking on with curiosity in Tim's office. Tim is in the center. we got several people from the church that are gathered around, and Dylan and Marissa are standing in the center, and they're exchanging vows with one another. They're committing their lives to marriage before God. And it was, it was just a beautiful scene. And there were, you know, vows read, there were hugs, there were tears. And ten minutes later, we find ourselves in the baptistry. And Dylan's there in the waters, and he commits his life to God. And he goes under the water, comes up as a new Christian. And he turns around, takes his wife's confession, and then baptizes his brand new wife in the Christ in the same way. And I'm standing back, and I'm just trying to take in this whole scene and just, just understand it and process it. I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking, this right here is the church. This felt so incredible, so good, and so right to see fellow Christians, fellow people gather together as a family over this couple encouraging one another, uplifting one another, providing for those who need Christ and who are changing their lives and making the most important decisions, the most important commitments that they can. And it was absolutely incredible. And I was so thankful on that day to be there with the church. And just like you have God at the very beginning saying, this is good, you knew at that moment, this is good. And the other thing I realized, too, is how great God is. Because we serve a God that is all about fixing the broken. Making the old brand new. Restoring that which was forsaken. Finding the lost. And it's all to his glory. And evangelism can take different forms. There's a type of evangelism that sends people out across the world. There's evangelism that goes knocking on doors, that goes through your social circles or through your places of work to, to try to find opportunities. And sometimes there's a very simple form of evangelism that is just making yourself available to listen. Because with this particular couple, there was a seed that was already there, and God was causing that growth, and all that was needed was good soil and availability for that to take place. It wasn't anything that we said or did. It was just making yourself available. And the church has so many wonderful opportunities for that. I want to read a verse. For some reason, there was one particular verse in the Bible that jumped out at me when I was thinking about the church and evangelism. And it's in uh, Philippians chapter 2. It says, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. 
Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not account quality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. To the glory of God the Father. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you so very much for your church. We thank you that you have blessed us with your word and that that is something that you gave us a model through your son Jesus that we can share with others, that we can experience ourselves, and that we can be united together as fellow believers and that we can be there for each other, that we can be there for those around us and in our community and in our uh, various um, circles of life. And we thank you so very much for these things, so that it may be all to your glory. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Fellowship. Ty asked me this evening to express a couple of thoughts about our Brothers Keepers groups. Not as a necessarily an advertisement for that, but what it has meant to Kay and myself as we moved here and started a new work at North MacArthur about 12 and a half years ago. Many of you who have been in RBK groups know how much that I like to communicate through emails. Uh, I think it gives people in our group a chance to, to, to know each other, to grow with each other, throughout the month and throughout any BK year. Kay and I are not Facebook, Twitter, Instagram junkies. Um, but we're from the old school of call them when you need them. Email them with the Pacifics. I guess our idea about social media is to sit across from each other at the table when we're having supper or we're having lunch and talk to each other. That's, uh, that's pretty much social media for us. Sometimes, though, even some of these can get a little confusing as I think about them. They can even be kind of tricky uh, with me. I remember sending an email, for example, several years ago that I thought was just going to go to our 20 members in the BK group. Well, I had about 125 uh, folks' email addresses on our computer. And rather than send this to our message to our 20 in our group, I sent it to all 125 people on our computer. Um, needless to say, I confused a lot of people who didn't know anything about Brothers Keeper. But they did know the initials BK meant and stood for Burger King. <laughs> so 
Many of them were ready to meet us at the local Burger King restaurant in different cities all over the country. I've been asked to tell you what the Brothers Keepers program has meant to us as leaders and how it's affected our fellowship at North MacArthur. First, I think it's, and foremost, it's given us really a close relationship with our co-leaders, David and Joyce Sams. Uh, when we agreed to do this, um, uh, we weren't quite sure how we were going to do it and what we were going to do with it, but we decided we would, we, would, we would try. That relationship has grown over the years and has helped us, I think, to identify the bonding that occurs in the fellowship through Christ and what it really means to be friends with co-leaders. Second, we've had, uh, we, we've had as leaders, we, we wanted to identify with folks in our congregation that we really didn't know. You see, when we started here, we're Northsiders. Now, there are some of you Westsiders and middle-of-the-road folks that we never really had an opportunity to get to know. And I've teased people before that when they came from the south to the north, if they would show me their visas, they would be permitted to be on that side of the congregation. And we hesitated to go over here because we didn't have our visa for the south side of the, of the congregation. But we wanted to get to know select families and those that we could bond with on a very short period of time over, over 12 months. And because of those Brother Keepers groups, we were able to meet and get to know people. And I'm going to mention some names, some of those you will remember. And I, and I mention them in, in total reverence to them and in respect to what they meant to us. People like Stan and, and Ruth Lowe. People like Jim and Margaret Doolin. Couples like Dean and Barbara Harshaw, Vern and Wyla Beltnap, Ted and Barbara Ashby, and several of our widows and widowers, Dee Gower and Joy Johnson, Louise Robinson and Jane Harbert. Some of these folks have passed on, but if it had not been for Brothers Keepers, we would not have had an opportunity to grow with them and to find out some of the most funny stories that they had to tell about North MacArthur and about the past. And so it's with great delight that I had that opportunity, we had that opportunity to get to know these people. I think this is what Tim was talking about this morning as we reflect upon Acts chapter 2. Being actively involved with ourselves, with one another, will open those doors of relationships and caring for each other. Thank you. This morning's worship bulletin with the uh, sermon outline on it, at the end of it, had a series of challenges. And that's, of course, what we're basing tonight on. I was asked to address the area of service, and the challenge is to get involved in at least one ministry, be of service. Ty specifically asked me to speak briefly about the area of service that I am mainly involved in, and that has to do with teaching Bible class. 
And the question he put before me was, how has Bible study and teaching made an impact on me as a Christian? I feel like I should give you just a, a bit of history. My father was not a public speaker. Um, we have a number of, of uh, things that, as a family, we laugh about that my father, um, well, the way that he used certain words, words that aren't in the dictionary, uh, when, he, when he made announcements or whatever it might be. And he was definitely not a teacher. But when he was called upon more, on more than one occasion, he picked up the, the old Bible school quarterly. You guys remember the little workbooks we used to have? And I think in my, in my personal library, I have one or two of those books that are all filled out, all the questions in his handwriting that he made his effort to teach when he was called upon. My mom, though, was very different. She taught young people. She taught ladies' adult classes. She taught one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. My mother was a Bible reader. And the story is that I don't know that she read every day. But she would pick up the Bible and read it through Genesis to Revelation. And when she got done, she would write the date down in the cover, or on the inside the cover, when she finished. And then she would pick up another version and start over. And she did that repeatedly. That was the example that I have. Called upon to serve, even if that wasn't his strongest suit. And would teach and would read the Bible. Myself, I always wanted to teach or coach. When I chose not to do that for my occupation, it was just natural that I would take my desire to teach into the work that I did with the church. And so the question is, how has Bible study and teaching impacted me as a Christian? Three things I want to mention. Anyone that has taught knows this. When you are the teacher, you study more than what you might do on your own. When you're preparing to present, you spend more time in study than you perhaps you would otherwise. And so teaching has caused me to study more than perhaps I would. Teaching, being called upon to teach, prompts me to use the talents that God has given me. Now, there's probably a joke right there. Some would question whether that is a talent that I have. But I believe that God gives us all skills, abilities, talents, whatever you want to call them. And I further believe that we are obligated as Christians to use those talents that God gives us. And I don't know what your talent is. You know what your talents are. And I think that God expects us to use what he has given us. And so for me, if he has given me the ability to teach, I am obligated to use that ability. Finally, Bible study and teaching allows me to know God. 
It allows me to know his will for my life. It allows me to know Jesus and his teaching. It allows me to know God's desire for the church. We sing that there are no tears in heaven. And sometimes that's a question. How can there not be tears in heaven? Because surely when we're in heaven, there will be times when we will be saddened because there are people that we love that are not there with us. My answer to that is there won't be any tears in heaven because we will be in the presence of God Almighty. And that will outshine any other feeling that we might have. Can you imagine if you believe in a God that created everything that you can see, at some point we will be in his presence. Well, on this earth, the best way that we can be in the presence of God is to be in his word, to read and study what he has given us to be in the presence of God is to study his word this morning in Bible class Brad prayed that he was thankful that we could be in Bible class this morning and he asked that God bless us with the ability to glean understanding from what we were studying from Hebrews 4 This morning to close our service, Jeff prayed, asking God to help us be doers of the word and not merely hearers, quoting from James chapter 1. We can't do what God wants us to do if we don't know what that is. And we know what that is when we put our eyes into his word. I've been impacted by Bible study and teaching because it draws me closer to God. Because it helps me to know what it is he wants me to do. It helps me to use the talents that he has given me. And in teaching, it forces me to study more than I normally would. Thanks. A visiting preacher was being entertained in the living room by a four-year-old boy uh, while his mother prepared lunch. The lad asked the preacher, can you guess what we're having for lunch? And the minister said, no, son, what are we having? And the young boy said, we're having goat. Having overheard what her son said, the mother responded from the kitchen, we're having fried chicken. And the boy responded back, mom, I know we're having goat. Because I heard you and Dad talking about inviting the preacher for lunch, and you said we might as well have the old goat now as sometime later. (laughs) That is the anti-example of what I want to talk about. Uh, I've been asked to talk about uh, edifying and encouraging others as um, a follower of Jesus Christ, a disciple. Discipleship is, after all, uh, following the teachings of Jesus, trying to imitate Jesus as best we can, and that should inevitably involve reaching out to others 
caring about others. In Paul's inspired letter to the Ephesian church, he reminds believers that we're one body and we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. In John's gospel, as well as John's first letter, John talks about the fact that our loving relationship with the Father should be seen in our relationship with other people. The theologian Charles Spurgeon said something very, very profound. Nobody can do as much damage to the church of God as the man who is within its walls, but not within its life. God's word expresses that thought in a much more positive way. In Proverbs 27, 17, a verse that Tim likes to quote a lot, and for good reason. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. You know, the future that, of course, only God can see is perfectly prepared by the people we allow into our lives. That's why being involved with our brothers and our sisters in this fellowship within the church is so important. That's why trying to encourage one another and build one another up is so important. As has been mentioned both this morning in the sermon and this evening, uh, Acts 2, and in particular in the passage read this evening, talks about a church in its infancy, far from perfect, but a church that was devoted to building relationships and seeing to one another's needs and being there on a daily basis for one another. Within the first 90 days of our coming to congregation here at North MacArthur, uh, 14 years ago this month, my wife Claudia and I, uh, though we were somewhat daunted by the fact that we were coming to a congregation that was about three to four times larger than the congregation we were coming from, Within that first 90 days, we were offered through the Welcome Home Ministry the opportunity to meet and get to know in small home settings, very relaxed settings, informal settings, uh, certainly, of course, uh, with something to eat involved, probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 70 or 80 people here in the congregation. Some of those people were people that had been here a while, and some of those people were like us, new to the congregation. But what it did, it provided us a great opportunity to 
become a part of this congregation. And that's what the Welcome Home Ministry is about. It affords people the opportunity in small group settings to welcome to North MacArthur people who are new to North MacArthur and sometimes even people who are just visiting and have yet to identify here at North MacArthur. And it does so in a home setting, usually over lunch or an evening meal. Uh, And we try to do this on a regular, ongoing basis. Over the 14 years since Claudia and I have been here and we've been involved with Welcome Home, uh, we've been involved uh, over the time because some people have moved away or some people have decided to um, uh, retire from that ministry for a while and we've added others. We've probably worked with about a dozen other people of the congregation. Uh, and that's been marvelous too, really getting to know those people who are members of our Welcome Home group. But we, I can't tell you how many people we've probably had into our home and into the homes of the other members of our group uh, over those 14 years. Many of you are in this auditorium tonight, some, some years back, some of you very recently. What it's done for me and for my wife, I can tell you, it's, um, of course, provided us an opportunity to get to know people, and we always find that. A good thing. We're curious, nosy, you might say. It's provided us the opportunity to have a better understanding of people. Perhaps people that uh, are of a different age, uh, perhaps of a different uh, um, occupational interest, uh, perhaps uh, of a different race than are we. It's provided us to learn patience. And by the way, everything it provides us, I believe it provides the other people. This is a great vice versa ministry. It is indeed uh, each person sharpening, if you will, the other. It provides us the opportunity to come to understand people, to see their good and not focus on the bad, to get rid of prejudices and um, judgments that have no bearing in fact. It's just based on a bias we might have without ever getting to know a person. And there's nothing like that. And you can't do that without getting to know somebody. Three lessons that I think I've learned is that I should always be looking for opportunities uh, for discipleship to reach out and touch people. A second one, I need to be loving in that. Not like the couple that referred to the preacher as as a goat. And finally, to be liberal in that discipleship. Look, Look for a lot of opportunities. And look for a lot of ways to spread your love to other people. Because through our encouragement and edification, fellowship, yes, our love for other people, we actually demonstrate our love for God. And the way we touch other people's lives is actually what we're doing 
to Jesus. And if you want a great biblical expression of that, reread Matthew chapter 25, starting at verse 31. We're blessed to have so many in this congregation whose fellowship doesn't stop at the boundaries of this building. There are a lot of you, I know, that personally, individually, have people to their homes or take people out for meals, that do things behind the scenes when people are in need. That is terrific. And in fact, if you don't feel like you could get involved in a welcome home ministry that's structured, do something on your own. That's great. That'll be very helpful. But if you do want to be involved in a welcome home ministry, and by the way, I encourage you to give it very serious consideration. Uh, see one of the elders. See Kyle Cassie, uh, our outreach minister, uh, involvement minister, as well as uh, our deacon, Kenny Hickson. And at this time, I actually want to ask Kenny and Kyle, if they're here in the auditorium, to stand up. There's Kenny Hickson. He's the deacon in charge of Welcome Home. And here's Kyle Cassie, our involvement minister. And you probably know the elders. If you don't, our mugshots are back there on the wall. <laughs> See one of us. Talk to us about getting involved. We'd love to have your involvement. Again, let me close by saying this. I believe that the fabric of our discipleship is creating relationships and fellowshipping with one another. And that's what connects our faith, our belief, with the fruit that we bear. Be involved and stay involved for the oneness of his church. Thank you. Good evening. I was asked to speak tonight on the, uh, the importance of coming to worship, which um, that's a good, good subject for a Sunday night crowd. I know that. That's, the, that's definitely the easy one tonight. Um, Mr. Hill asked me specifically to speak on how I make the decision to attend worship and how it affects my life. I, uh, I work in a, a position where I work shift work, so I work uh, basically a third of the Sundays uh, throughout the year. I'll work one-third of the Sundays. And uh, for about three or four years at the beginning of my career, I, I just chose not to come to services on those days, on Sundays. So I missed a third of those Sundays for, it, it was about three or four years. And the impact that had on my life at that point was basically just a a decrease in my service at the church. Um, I wasn't involved in Brothers Keepers group at all. Uh, didn't involve myself with any type of ministry outside of uh, coming to church when I could. You know, I would just try and attend as I could. But then uh, it was probably seven or eight years ago I started using my vacation time to uh, be able to come to worship as much as possible. And uh, the impact it's had on my life has been pretty incredible. Um, just the amount of time you get to spend with other people, other servants here that, uh, that you wouldn't have getting to worship with Christians and be with them on a Sunday. It's, it's, it's so special and we, uh, sometimes we take it for granted. Um, Hebrews 10 25 is the main 
verse it feels like I heard when I was growing up as far as not neglecting to meet together. You know, we, should, we shouldn't neglect that opportunity to meet together. But another verse that comes up a little bit later there in Hebrews, Hebrews 12, 28. And in the little study Bible that we got, I'm not sure what translation is, this is, but it says, Let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. And I feel like it's, if you're just doing the minimal, it's, it's difficult to get that reverence and that awe in your worship when you're, when you're not spending the time here uh, and coming as often as you can. And um, I, I just know that that's had a, a big impact on my personal life, just trying to be here as often as I can. Thanks.